stay prepared for the up and down life is like a seesaw some say it's a bitch man i couldn't what's going on guys this is just another critic we're back with another episode we have week four predictions on the table we're going to be talking about those here in a second um but yeah the matchups that i'll be covering in my opinion have a are going to play a big part in the college football playoff picture i know it's still very early but with college football as we know on a week-to-week basis if you lose one game you're pretty much putting yourself outside of that picture so um in these four matchups i think all of them are going to play a significant part in who we see at the end of the year um and of course you guys probably already have an idea of what teams i'll be talking about uh first matchup that i do want to cover starts in the pac 12 and that game will be on friday utah taking on usc in USC, so that's game like that's gonna be a home game for the Trojans, and Utah coming off a uh, win versus NIU, um, then going and beating Idaho State, a FCS team, thirty-one to zero. Based on what I've seen, Utah is looking really strong in the run game. I still haven't seen a lot from Tyler Huntley, the quarterback, and so he's still the biggest question mark for me. Zach Moss is an absolute beast. Defense has been taking care of business, winning at the line of scrimmage, and overall just holding their opponents um, to under, you know, averaging double digits. So roughly uh, seven or eight points a game average uh, that the defense is allowing right now. So they're doing a really good job, but they haven't really played anyone yet. Okay. Um, You guys may disagree, but obviously they started with BYU. Um, BYU with that win against USC just this past week probably makes them look a lot better than they actually are Um, and then they took on NIU they struggled early on but you know figured it out eventually pulled away in the second half won 35 to 17 and then beat up on Idaho State a FCS opponent 31 to 0 so with these wins from based on what I've seen they haven't been as dominant they haven't looked like a top 10 type uh, team to me at this point. Not that they can't be that, right? I'm just saying so far from what I've seen, they haven't looked like that that dominant uh, opponent that you're scared to see on Saturdays. And so with that being said, USC being at home, coming off a loss versus BYU, uh, true freshman Caden Slovis struggled big time in that BYU game. That was my only big question going into the game because it was going to be his first true away game. What would what would what would he play like, right? What would we see from him? Would he be able to do what he did against Stanford? So, it's just very different when you're playing away from home. And one of my uh big friends that's a huge uh, SC fan, he also mentioned to me that uh SC only only went to um they came to Utah on a Friday evening, so around 5 o'clock, um, sometime around that time. But the thing is, Utah, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a difference in elevation, right? And so if you've ever traveled and, and uh, gone to a different uh, state to play sports or, or uh, had to play in a higher elevation, um, I've personally had to do that myself. So I know there is a, an adjustment period. And so if you don't take the time to get your players acclimated 
it's going to play a big uh, a, a big role in in how much you're getting from your players, right? Um, because even just jogging and then you're going to full-on sprinting at a higher altitude, you can just feel it in your lungs immediately, a burn. Um, but, you know, I don't know if that was a factor. They played really well overall, but eventually, um, if, you, if you heard the, the commentators, as the game went along, they talked a lot about how USC had been looking sluggish on the field. So I, I can't say for sure if that's something that played into them uh, played into their loss versus BYU, but I do know for sure that's certainly uh, something that will play into how how uh, you know how well you're going to be able to how well and how long you're going to be able to run at a, at a high level uh, when you're playing uh, any sport. So, with that being said, USC being back at home. I really love them playing at home. I think they're hard to beat at home, regardless of who's on the roster. Um, Caden Slovis is going to get another chance to prove himself versus who some people are calling the Pac-12 champ um, in Utah. And I really like this USC defense still. Still very young, a lot of sophomores and freshmen, but I think they have the potential to be a great unit. Um, Got a lot of speed on that side of the ball. They weren't able to contain BYU because of Zach Wilson's ability to scramble and that was uh, another thing that I thought would play a big factor into the outcome of the game but yeah USC being at home very young defense Caden Slovis being back in his comfort zone Utah seeing their first real opponent of the season I think this game has the making of an upset um, and I think I think they're just going to key in on Zach Moss, try try to do their best to stack the box and force Tyler Huntley to win this game with his arm, which he hasn't been forced to do at all this year. Um, I think this game is going to be one of those games where um, Utah is going to be caught up to speed, right, with the level of competition. Because they've only seen uh, cupcakes early on in the year, they're going to see USC now, and USC is already acclimated to playing at a, a higher, uh, a faster level of play because they played Stanford, because they've played, you know, I wouldn't necessarily just say BYU, but when you play uh, a Power 5 team like Stanford, even though Stanford isn't the Stanford we've seen in past years, they are a Power 5 opponent, and, you know, they play fast. They just came off of a, a win versus Northwestern, and so I think... In in that case, USC is already acclimated to playing at at a a faster pace, and so I think that's going to play a big role in putting them in a good position to win this game. I actually have uh, USC winning this. Um, the, the crazy thing is USC has a four game winning streak at home versus Utah. So the last four times that they've played Utah at home, they have won. My final score in this game. USC 31, Utah 27. Once again, final USC 31, Utah 27. This is going to be a fun game to watch. It's going to be Friday night. And um, like I said, look for Utah to to get caught up in uh, the speed of play. Uh, moving on to the next matchup, we have Auburn taking on A&M. Um, both teams have practically been broken in right Auburn taking on Oregon and then we had AM playing against Clemson AM unfortunately was not able to 
do their thing and pull off that upset versus Clemson. Auburn uh, was able to pull off the upset against Oregon. And so from what I've seen from both teams, Auburn, they played Tulane and then they played Kent State. That offense just, just does not look like it's clicking at a level that it needs to be at right now in order for them to be competing against you know better opponents in the SEC, such as a team that they're going to see this weekend in A&M. Uh, Bo Nix just doesn't look like he's 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 figured it out just yet, right? He's gonna. I I personally I expected him to catch up a lot quicker than he is, but he just isn't progressing as fast as I thought he would. Um, a lot of what I've seen from them so far is just a whole bunch of read option RPO type stuff where Bo Nix has actually ran the ball a lot. I I didn't see him throw it a lot over the weekend versus opponents you know like Kent State or like Tulane and so I don't know maybe they're saving their playbook right for this game and we're just kind of depending on their defense in those matchups but um, yeah they just did a lot of read option quarterback keeps with Bo Nix brought in um, Joey Gatewood and did the same thing and so maybe they're holding back offensively with their playbook to you know Save it for this A&M game. I don't know, but I'm still not impressed with this Auburn offense. The defense is obviously going to be there, but how long? How long until they until they break right? Because they you can't keep them on the field forever. You, they're just going to get tired, and they're not going to be able to play at that that same level of play um, that we've seen from them when they get tired. We saw that against Oregon when Oregon was playing fast, uh, fast pace, quick everything, and moving the ball, hurry up offense. And so I think that's something that we might see from A&M coming into this matchup. A lot of hurry up play, a lot of speed, a lot of quick outs, a lot of uh, throws into the flats, just getting the ball out very quickly. And so um, A&M's at home, right? Last year it was Auburn at home and Auburn won this game 28 to 24 in a very close one. And so... I, I like I like what I've seen from AM's defense, right? They held uh Travis Etienne to I believe it was like fifteen yards on sixteen carries. Uh and they they held Trevor in check for the most part. And so I really do think this defense they they aren't really getting as much credit because they haven't played uh anyone outside of Clemson. So people are looking for a consistency from them. And because they lost uh, a good amount of production from a season ago. But the defense has actually played really well. They just came off of a win versus Lamar in a blowout 66-3. So not much to take away from that game other than they did what was expected of them. And so the offense, I still believe in Kellen Mon. Um A&M is just a very good home team. They're hard to beat in College Station. And Kellen Mon always lights it up at home. And so with this game... I think he's going to use his legs a lot. He wasn't able to utilize that as much in the Clemson matchup because he ended up um, tweaking his calf. And so that is a big part of his game, and I think he's going to utilize that come this Saturday versus Auburn. I have A&M winning at home. My final score, A&M 27, Auburn 20. Once again, final score, Texas A&M 27, Auburn 20. And I think that's going to be a fun matchup either way. Moving along, we go to the Big 12. Texas playing Oklahoma State. Texas will be at home. 
Crazy thing is Oklahoma State has a four-game uh, win streak against this Texas program. So is Texas going to be able to find a way to you know get over the hump this season? I don't know, right? This is this this game has shootout written all over it. Um, beginning of the season, Oklahoma State was my sleeper pick to win the uh, win the Big Twelve because I know what they they bring to the table offensively. But it, it's pretty much looking like the same story on the defensive side of the ball. They looked better, um, you know, in the second half versus Tulsa, posting a shutout in the second half, but. We just need to see some consistency from that defense, and I'm not sure that Oklahoma State is going to be the team to get those one or two stops that are needed in these types of shootouts to win these games, right? Because these are the one possession type games, the games where the game is decided on who gets the ball last, right? And so Texas looking very good overall. We saw them versus LSU, a very notable defense Um and LSU just couldn't stop them. I don't expect Oklahoma State to, you know, f- to figure out a way to stifle this offense. Sam Ellinger has been playing very well. The wide receivers are very good. Um, biggest question is in this game is going to be who's going to be able to make a stop, right? One or two stops. And if I had to, you know, pick and choose, I would probably want uh, a more highly recruited. Um, team on the defensive side of the ball from Texas, right? Because of the talent that they bring in on that side of the ball. If I had to put my house on it, I'm I'm gonna say that Texas is gonna give me one or two stops compared to Oklahoma State. Now, you know, of course, I'd like to see Oklahoma State, you know, pull off the upset because I have them as my sleeper pick to win the Big Twelve. But from what I've seen so far, both teams look phenomenal offensively. But Texas has uh, the bigger potential and the bigger upside uh, when it comes to the the defensive side of the ball. Of course, we're going to find out if Texas can, you know, get over this hump that that uh, that Oklahoma State has has had over them. And so we'll see what happens. I like Oklahoma State, Tylen Wallace, Chuba Hubbard, and then they got red uh, redshirt freshman. And Spencer Sanders, that quarterback, super elusive, big arm. Um, he's getting his first start in this season, but he's looked good so far. He still has a lot to improve on. And so I think Texas is going to be able to find something within the film and to make him uncomfortable and force him to do some things that he he doesn't normally do. And so for that reason and for all the reasons I've stated, I have Texas winning at home. My final score is Texas 41, Oklahoma State 38. Once again, final score, Texas 41, Oklahoma State 38. And I think that's going to be a great game, great shootout. Uh, even though I, I, you know, giving you that final score, I wouldn't be surprised if Oklahoma State finds a way to pull this out. Um, it's just a mindset thing at this point because they know they've won four times in a row. You know, why wouldn't they think that they can make it five? So... With that being said, let's move along to the fourth matchup. We've got Michigan versus Wisconsin. Massive implications in the Big Ten. Uh, Ultimately, this is going to decide whether or not Michigan is going to get a CFP spot, right? Which I don't think they will um, because of the way their schedule is looking right now and with the way that they've played at this point. Uh, Michigan coming off games versus Middle Tennessee State and Army where they struggled really 
to find their identity offensively. They just don't look like uh, they've executed um, Josh Gaddis's playbook very well. They just haven't executed anything very well. Defensively, they've played really good. They haven't played as well as we've seen them in past years. I feel like that defense may have possibly taken a step back when comparing them to the team a season ago. Um, And so Michigan, I'm just not sold on them. I don't think the the vast majority of uh, neutral fans are sold on them. Uh, Shea Patterson has had a very big problem with holding on to the ball. Uh, They just haven't been clicking, right? Michigan really, they honestly looked better a season ago. They had a they had a better idea of who they were. Right now, they're trying to adjust to a new system, play more spread to make Shea comfortable. But he doesn't even look comfortable playing, uh, running some of the plays that that they've drawn up for him. So I, I don't know what's going on at Michigan. Um, defense is going to be the big the big thing that's going to you know keep them in this game if they are if they are going to be able to stick in this game um, because with the way that Wisconsin has been playing, they can pull away from this um, if Michigan doesn't come to play and, and doesn't execute early. Uh, of course, Jonathan Taylor, uh, they have um, a, a list of guys that you might not know the names of. Uh, his name's Jack Cohn, wide receivers, uh, Danny Davidson, they've got AJ Taylor, they've got Quintez Cephas, um, a lot of guys that you're not going to hear about that you don't know about simply because of Wisconsin style of play, but with the way that they've added so much more uh, spread formations and spread sets to their, their playbook this year, you're going to be hearing their name called um, not only a lot this season, but expect this uh, unit of wide receivers to be one of the more talked about units on this uh, in this game come Saturday. And so, um, of course, Wisconsin has seen two cupcakes, USF and Central Michigan. I get it, guys. They've shut them out. They've shut both of them out. They haven't played anyone yet. And so we don't want to buy into that hype. But here's the thing. Look at look at early on in this season. There's a lot of Power 5 teams who played a lot of cupcakes and who did not dominate those matchups versus their cupcakes. So it's not, it hasn't been a common thing that we've seen from Power 5 opponents in 2019 where they're just dominating their cupcakes. Um, it's just weird to say that. But um, yeah, just dominating lesser opponents. We've seen multiple Power 5 teams struggle, right? with lesser opponents and so we've got to we now we've got to credit the teams that are taking care of business and so wisconsin has been taking care of business doing what's expected of them they look better on both sides of the ball it they might have a quarterback now i don't want to jump the gun there until we see how he looks versus a michigan team and a, a, a legit opponent in michigan and so defense returns a lot of guys that were injured a season ago a lot of young players who got a lot of experience um in games last year for true freshmen specifically and so a lot of these younger players have experience and are gonna draw from that in this game and uh it's gonna be a great game it's gonna be a really good game i think 
a lot of people will be surprised with how uh, well well oiled machine uh, Wisconsin is going to look uh, on Saturday, just at, on both sides of the ball, because we're just so used to seeing them run heavy, you know, line up in power formations and just run the ball down your throat. Now, they're still going to do that. They're still going to do that, but they're going to be a much more balanced attack offensively. Defense, we know what they bring to the table. Um, and so it's going to be a great matchup. I just don't see this Michigan team being where they need to be in order to beat a, a Wisconsin team that's on fire right now and that has arguably the best running back in the country for the moment. And so with all those things being said, Wisconsin playing at home versus Michigan, um, I don't think they've lost to Michigan at home when they're both ranked in the AP pool. So this is going to be a very good game. I think it's going to be close early on, um, but I think eventually Wisconsin will pull away because of their dominance at the line of scrimmage and their ability to get to the quarterback. I have Wisconsin winning at home 34-17. to 17. Once again, my final score, Wisconsin wins at home 34-17. to 17. And the last matchup we'll be talking about, if it isn't obvious enough, Georgia taking on Notre Dame. Georgia playing at home. Um, so far from what we've seen from Georgia, they've played Vanderbilt. Uh, they've played uh, an, uh, an, a cupcake. Uh, I can't seem to remember their name because, you know, we don't really hear from these teams much. And then they just played Arkansas State, who's actually a pretty decent team within their conference. Um, but yeah, they practically blew out everyone that they played, pretty much doing uh, everything that's expected of them. Offensively, they're they're doing what they do, right? They they run the rock. They run the rock. They've got a stable of running backs, uh, three different running backs: um, Zamir White. They've got uh, DeAndre Swift. Um, they've got another guy. I think his last name is Harrion. And some people are calling them the best offensive line in the country, and uh, I would have a hard time arguing with them, right? Because of how much success they're finding on the ground. It's it's ridiculous. And it's not only because of that O-line, but it's because of the stable of running backs that they have. They don't have a 1-2 punch. They have a 1-2-3 punch. And then they have Jake Fromm, right, in the pocket. Super poised guy. Um, he's, he's very underrated in his ability uh, as a quarterback. Very smart, takes care of the football, and when uh, he's called into action, he makes plays. He's got a whole new set of wide receivers uh, compared to a season ago, right? Miko Hardman, Riley Ridley, and then you had, um, I forget his first name, but his last name is Holloman. So he was he left the team. And so basically working with a new set of guys that are still very talented, but that's the only thing for me that I haven't seen uh, consistency from in Georgia so far. Maybe they're saving their playbook. Maybe they're just saving a, a whole bunch of things. Uh, for this game versus Notre Dame, but um, he still he still played very well with these wide receivers, but it hasn't looked as clean as we've seen um, in past years when he had uh, you know the guys like Miko Hardman, Riley Ridley, and Holloman, and so it it does look a bit different. But these guys are just as talented, so um, I expect him to find the same amount of success 
playing against Notre Dame if he's called upon. But the big issue for Notre Dame right now is their ability to stop the run. They're giving up 230 yards a game. And that was versus Louisville and New Mexico. So uh, you can just imagine giving up 230 yards a game versus those opponents. And then you're going to come and face a Georgia team who's practically averaging roughly 300 yards on the ground per game with much better running backs, much better uh, O-line. Practically, they're better in every uh, unit, right? When it comes to the, the line of scrimmage, when it comes to the skilled positions, when it comes to the guys on defense, everything about this team is better than the opponents that they've played. And they've allowed 230 yards a game versus New Mexico and versus Louisville, I repeat. Um, and so this will be uh, a game where we're going to get our questions answered, right? I'm super, I'm super hyped up on this Georgia juice right now because we've seen consistency from them in the past. So we know that they're, they're a legit team. Um, Notre Dame, on the other hand, whenever they've seen you know, bigger primetime games, more specifically whenever they've gone to the playoff or a national championship, they've just gotten obliterated, right? So it's hard for us to expect them to bring the goods to these types of games based on what we've seen from them in the past. At the same time, Georgia is averaging, you know, around 300 yards a game through the air. Notre Dame, um, they're rushing for about 200 yards a game, 300 yards through the air. But Ian Book, I'm just not sold on Ian Book at all. I don't think you guys are either from what we've seen from him in the matchup versus Louisville. He did not look good at all. He looked indecisive. He really, he looked like a freshman quarterback on there uh, in that game who just wanted to leave the pocket. He looked like he wanted to leave the pocket. Uh, he didn't look comfortable. And he has some of the best O-line in the nation. When when his guys were open, he was missing them in stride. Um just very inaccurate balls, right? Just stuff that really you should be you should be hitting, regardless of whether you're elite or not. Simple throws in stride. Um, he oh, he just looks like he wants to leave the pocket and scramble. And so, I don't think he's gonna find success in the pass game or the or scrambling because what I already know from Georgia, they have one of the best secondaries in the nation, and. They always bring in phenomenal linebackers. So I expect to see those uh, wide receivers from Notre Dame locked up. And once uh, Ian Book tries to scramble, I expect that Georgia is going to have a spy for him. And so their only hope at this point, in my opinion, this is just my opinion, is that Notre Dame has to try and dominate at the line of scrimmage with their O-line, be physical, slow this game down, um, you know, keep control, basically a time time of possession type of game plan where they control the clock, eat up the clock, and make this a gritty, gritty type game. Um, and if if they're not able to do that, I'm not sure where, where their production is going to come from. I'm sure they're going to make, uh, you know, they're going to score points early on but that's just like part of the break-in period in my opinion where you're kind of just figuring out what you're up against and so um we'll see we'll see what happens right 
even though I'm I'm super hyped up on this Georgia juice, I don't know what what we're gonna see from them, right? This is gonna be Georgia's first, I guess, legit opponent. They did play an in-conference opponent in Vanderbilt, but Vandy is not looking as good um, as they have in past years based on what we've seen from them so far in the season. And so Georgia taking on Notre Dame. We're going to get a lot of questions answered uh, from both sides. But really, I think Georgia, based on uh, you know how they're looking, Early on in this season, what we've seen from it, what we've seen from them in the past, they play big in big games, and so um, I've got Georgia winning this game. Right, final score at home, Georgia wins forty-one to twenty-three. Final score, Georgia forty-one, Notre Dame twenty-three, and so um, pretty much said everything I wanted to say. The Notre Dame defense was much better a year ago. Um, they did lose about five guys on that side of the ball. And uh, overall, man, I just think Georgia is better in every phase of the game. And if you put everything side by side, coaching staff, running backs, quarterbacks, O-line, you're pretty much going to have the advantage for Georgia in almost every unit. And so for those reasons and for the uh, the reasons I've listed I have Georgia winning 41 to 23 notable games to um keep an eye on we have LSU taking on Vanderbilt LSU should take care of business but these are always just one of those weird trap games and so it's it's just you know kind of iffy but they should take care of business right with the way we've seen the offense play uh with the speed that lsu brings to the table on defense and vanderbilt just hasn't looked good at all uh playing so far and so with that um we also have cal taking on ole miss great super fun um out of conference game where we get to see the pac-12 take on an sec opponent given ole miss is one of the you know, bottom feeders of the SEC at this point. They they have looked very good on defense, um, and I think this is going to be a very low-scoring game, especially with what Cal brings to the table on defense. Um, but yeah, I'm not too sure who's going to pull this one out, right? Because Ole Miss, Cal, we still don't know what these teams are. Cal just came off of an upset over Washington, um, then struggled with the North Texas team who is pretty good offensively, but I just I just don't see these these teams uh, bringing enough to the table offensively to really uh, say who's going to win. But I still think it's going to be a fun defensive matchup, low scoring, um, and we're going to find out more from these teams. And of course, whoever wins this game, a lot of crap is going to be talked about whose conference is better. So I think both teams are playing for their conference and to put some respect on their conference name. And so we'll see who can do it. We'll see who can pull it out. Um, then we have Michigan State taking on Northwestern. This is going to be another very low-scoring game because both, team, uh, both teams can't seem to find any offense. Of course, Northwestern has pretty much a whole set of brand-new guys offensively, new quarterback, uh, new running backs, just new, right? And... Uh, Northwestern is a very gritty team. Michigan State, very similar, very strong defensively. Um, this is, this game might be a, come down to a single-digit type uh, final, right? 
could even be like a six to three final, a ten to seven final. Um, that's what I expect from this game, Michigan State, man. I just don't know what the hell is going on over there. Um, if you heard me on my takeaways, I have no idea how they lost to that ASU team, how they just can't seem to find and get anything going offensively. It's just crazy because they're another one of the Michigan teams that comes into the season with hype, right, on a consistent basis. And yet again, disappointed. So we'll see. Um, Like I said, this is just going to be another low-scoring affair. And um, I don't think either of these teams are going to compete in the in the Big Ten for much, but right there, they're always going to put everyone on upset alert in conference play um, whenever playing at home and whatnot. So another low-scoring affair. Um, the next game I wanted to talk about, UCF taking on Pitt. Pitt being at home after coming off a close loss to Penn State. UCF coming off an, an absolute... Uh, monster game versus Stanford where they obliterated them in the first half pretty much took their foot off the gas in the second and won comfortably 45 to 27 I think this is a trap game for UCF coming in this game super high Pitt coming off this uh, coming into this game knowing what's at stake for UCF and you know whenever they whenever someone plays an undefeated opponent they always want to be that first loss on that record right and so Pitt not necessarily the most explosive team but they still have the ability to you know to put some points on you if you don't if you don't um if you don't stay stay disciplined and 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 key in um on those matchups but other than that I, I mean UCF beat these guys comfortably a season ago I think the final was like 44 Five to fourteen or something, forty-one to fourteen. Um, so they blew Pitt out a season ago, and um, but I don't think that's going to be the case this year. So keep an eye out for this game. I think it might be close early, and I I, I do think Pitt can pull them into deep waters. So we'll see if UCF blows them out. Hey, it is what it is. But that's that's how I feel at the moment. Um, another game to look out for, South Carolina taking on Mizzou. South Carolina looking much better as the season's gone along, especially coming off that loss versus UNC. And uh, quarterback play has been phenomenal since inserting Ryan Helinski. He's looked really good, really mature uh, for a true freshman. And overall, US, um, South Carolina has looked very impressive on both sides of the ball, especially coming off that game versus Alabama. But whenever you play Alabama, right, you're going to get a Super Bowl effort from whoever that team is. And so are we going to see that same South Carolina team on a consistent basis, on a week-to-week basis? We're going to find out. They're going to be taking on Mizzou, Kelly Bryant, who's been on fire after that loss to Wyoming. Seems like they've figured things out, cleaned up a lot of issues, and uh, they've looked very dominant in their fast, uh, in their past few matchups. Um, versus West Virginia, as well as versus another FCS opponent. So we'll see uh, who can who can bring the goods come Saturday, and we're going to find out who's for real. And so with that, the last notable game I wanted to touch on was Oregon taking on Stanford. I do think Oregon should blow out Stanford because of their high-powered offense um, with, you know, of course, Justin Herbert and what Stanford is just lacking right now. 
their inability to stop people in the pass game, which is going to eventually open up the run game for Oregon because, uh, you know, they're going to be sitting maybe six or seven in in coverage, which is going to open up that box, check the play, and there you go. You got a few zone reads. Uh, but with that being said, the... The Oregon defense has been playing very well this season versus Auburn, versus Nevada, versus Montana. I get it. They've seen lesser opponents, but from what we've seen from them, they've been dominant. Um, Stanford, on the other hand, haven't been the same since, you know, KJ Costello got hurt. They lost a lot of production this past offseason with guys graduating, guys going to the draft and whatnot. And so that was that was a, a big deal for me um, whenever I've spoke about them in uh, my predictions or in the preseason is just how much production they've lost. They Pretty much KJ Costello is looking to put the ball in his, his tight end's hands, right? Um, he, he loves throwing to big targets, putting up 50-50 balls. And so I expect to see a lot of that um, on Saturday. But I've got Oregon winning this game comfortably. Um, so... We'll see what happens. Pac-12 play. And with the way Oregon needs to play, they need to blow everyone out on a week-to-week basis, right? If they're going to put their name in that in that college football playoff conversation, um, it's going to be hard, obviously, with the loss to Auburn. But if they're wanting to you know, continue to fight for that, they're going to have to blow every single opponent out. And so we're going to find out if, if they still want it, if they still want that, that spot. Um, and so we'll see on Saturday teams. I have on upset alert, right? Upset alert. Last week I had Georgia Southern versus Minnesota. Minnesota pulled that one out of their asses, literally on the last, uh, play of the game. Um, and then I had Furman taking on Virginia tech, Virginia tech barely escaped, uh, escaped that the final score was 24 to 17. Crazy. Um, and then my, uh, last pick was Nebraska versus NIU which didn't end up being an upset alert at all. It's all good. But um, my upset alert picks for this week, I have SMU versus TCU. SMU, uh, I mean, they haven't really played anybody yet, right? Um, but neither has TCU. TCU took on Purdue, so people might say, hey, well, they played Purdue. Purdue is not not very good. They're missing their quarterback, um, Elijah Sindelar, who was throwing for roughly 500 yards a game. So you take him out of the picture, there goes practically 80% of your production. Um, and so they beat a Purdue team that wasn't, wasn't whole. So we'll, we'll see what we get from TCU, but uh, SMU has looked very good offensively, has played well enough defensively. And the quarterback, uh, Boucher, former quarterback at Texas, He's taken over, and he's playing very well. Um, And, of course, whenever you get a chance to play Power 5 opponents, you're going to bring your best. And so I think TCU will be tested in this game. SMU will put them on upset alert. Um, So that's my first pick for the weekend. Second pick, I have Appalachian State taking on UNC, North Carolina. Um, North Carolina coming off a loss versus Wake Forest. Didn't look good at all in the second half. Came together in the fourth quarter, but if they're going to be winning ball games, of course you got to play four quarters, baby. Um, and we didn't see that from UNC uh, in consistent games this season, right? It's kind of been a fourth quarter. Uh, they've kind of been pulling everything out in the fourth quarter, 
And so Appalachia State, man, they're always putting people on upset alert. That's what they do. That's part of their brand as a as a you know a football program. And so I don't see this being any different. Appalachia State puts UNC on upset alert. Moving on at number uh, the third matchup, we have Florida taking on Tennessee. I believe Florida is at home. I get it. Tennessee has been very bad, um, but Florida hasn't been much better, right? Florida struggled versus Miami, which isn't looking that great as the season continues along. Uh, Florida struggled against Kentucky after Kentucky lost their quarterback. I get it. Then Florida lost their quarterback. Here's what I'm high on. I'm high on the Florida defense, and I'm high on the Florida uh, players at the skilled positions. But after coming off, you know, a close win versus Kentucky, now they have a new starting quarterback. We're not we're not sure what we're gonna see from him on Saturday. I don't necessarily think Tennessee is you know amazing, and that's why they're gonna put them on upset alert. I just see them. I just see this as a trap game. It's just wrong place, wrong time type of thing. But hey, Florida could go out there and absolutely obliterate this team. But I just think with the momentum Tennessee's coming into this game with, coming off a blowout win over, you know, a very weak opponent, of course that's going to give their team confidence. Um, And like I said, I don't think Tennessee is amazing. I just think this game, the timing of it, and how it's, you know, right after the Kentucky game, right after Tennessee just came off a blowout, I think this could make for a, for a very interesting matchup, especially with a new quarterback running the show at Florida. So we'll see what happens. We'll let it play out. And um, yeah, so guys, those are my predictions for week four. Um, you know, let me know what you guys think in the comments. Or if you're listening to this on YouTube, drop a comment, whether it's Instagram, wherever you're listening to this, drop a comment. Always good to have uh, outside thoughts and opinions. Um, but yeah, guys, with that being said, I always appreciate you, uh, for supporting the podcast and regardless of what platform you're on, if you're enjoying the podcast, if you're getting value from the podcast, please go ahead and bookmark it, star it or subscribe. Um, like I said, just depending on what platform you're using, that always helps, um, in, you know, keeping the show running, keeping the podcast running. Um, But yeah, all those links are in the description if you're wanting to listen to uh, my podcast on a certain platform or find me on social media. All those links are in the description. Again, all that being said, hope you guys have a great day, evening or night, wherever you are. This is Just Another Critic signing off. Peace. Then you're in the heat.